1: What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams is back with us this week, and Jim Woodward with you as always, and fellas, we have a ton to get into today. We're going to preview Riviera, the Genesis Invitational going on this week. Tiger is back. We'll definitely talk about that after the break. We're also going to talk Live Las Vegas. Obviously, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl in Las Vegas this weekend as well, but fellas, I want to start off with the Waste Management and the craziness that was the Waste Management Open in Scottsdale this week. Now, fellas, I don't know whether you want to start with the golf or start with the sideshow, and I guess let's start there because there was a bigger sideshow than I've ever seen at a golf tournament, and T-Dub, it begs the question, is this good for golf? Is it bad for golf? If people out there have no clue what I'm talking about, on Saturday of the Waste Management, Things got out of hand. They started letting people in without tickets. They had to stop alcohol sales because there was mudslides, there was what t-shirt contests, there was fights, there was people peeing wherever they Wanted to pee because the bathroom lines were so long because they let too many people in. It was an absolute uh, cluster. And, fellas, I felt like it kind of overshadowed the golf. It was a phenomenal finish to the golf tournament. We'll get to it. Nick Taylor played great golf, and I feel bad for him because his playoff with Charlie Hoffman got overshadowed by the fact that, you know, you have fans going wild. You got players upset with fans. You got all sorts of kind of just craziness, right, T-Dub? I mean, I don't even know how to explain it other than it was literally like being at some college frat party.
2: It was the definition of a party out there in Phoenix on Saturday. They, they lost control is what happened. And what they, this tournament, what they've done for really ever since its inception was they've ridden the line on what is acceptable in what is traditionally a gentleman's game. And we always talk about there's a setting, there's a place for everything. Obviously, 99% of the things that happened this weekend, you'd never see in a place like Augusta National or anywhere with extreme prestige. So it's just one of those things to where I'm really surprised that it's taken this long for it to get this bad. Obviously, there's been situations in the past where people have, there's so many Instagram videos of people falling around and people puking, things like that, which happens anytime any time you get a lot of alcohol involved. But Woody, as a former tour player, you've probably seen some things in your day, but... I don't know if there's ever been a more outrageous occasion than what happened Saturday this last weekend in Phoenix.
0: Oh, uh, well, you know, I'll tell you what. The Phoenix Open, it wasn't waste management when I played. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was just called the Phoenix Open. But it was starting even that was 25 years ago, guys, or almost 20, 20 years ago, let's say, that it was starting to get rowdy. I can remember, honestly, I had a Friday late tea time, and we didn't finish the round because of uh, frost. So I had to come back off early Saturday morning to finish my second round, then it made the cut, and then get ready for my third round. They had one tent at that time. It's called the Bird's Nest. And um, I was going to the driving range at about 7, you know, 45 in the morning, and there were people still. Outside that tent, some had fallen down and just decided to <laughs> nap there for the night. Uh, some had stopped to throw up. Uh, there was uh, – my caddy and I always just chuckled as we'd walk by, and I thought, gee, Chris, they've been going all night. And so 20 years ago that was going on. So this was inevitable, gentlemen. This, this party was going to get out of control at some point. I think the delays, uh, the rain, the cold, um, it was a perfect storm. Uh, No control of the gate. There were just a lot of things that happened that I think we reached a point where the waste management feedings open had probably gone too far. And judging from everything we're reading, I know they have because you can bet they've already, they've had meetings already about this, guys. It'll change. It won't I don't want to take away from what it is because it is such a unique, long before Liv came along, this was the version of Liv, loud uh, stands and uh, arena, and it was crazy, and it's always been a heck of a show, but I think this year, like you guys said, it just went too far this year.
1: Well, it's interesting you bring up Liv because, ironically, the – the better tournament, the better leaderboard and the fans that were more well-behaved were on live this week. And it just seems like that's kind of been a stereotype ever since live started that it's, you know, psychotic with no rules. And that's honestly what the waste management turned out to be this week. Now you can't compare every PGA tour event to the waste management. Obviously it's a different entity unto itself and People are wondering who to blame in this situation. I honestly feel like it's the PGA Tour's fault because they've leaned so heavily into this is the biggest party in the world on Saturday. We have more people out there. You know, it's bigger and bigger every year to where I think they screwed themselves by letting whoever in and whoever was at the gate. They were just letting people in without tickets. Then they have to stop excuse me, they have to stop the alcohol sales, and then after they stopped the alcohol sales, they shut the gates down. Even, you know, there's people outside that paid for a ticket that weren't able to get in, and eventually it just got out of hand. And and look, I mean, if there was a quarter of a million people out there, probably on Saturday, uh, throughout the day, most of them, the vast majority of them were well enough behaved. But the problem is when you get... 10 people or whatever, 20 people that do crazy stuff, like outlandish things, um, you're going to have to shut down the party. It's like any party. It's not just the waste management. If, you know, T-Dub holds a party at his house and has too many people and it gets out of hand, someone's going to do something stupid and that's exactly what happened. It was the classic, you know, frat party gets shut down. T-Dub is exactly what happened. And honestly, I blame the PGA Tour because – who else is there to blame? They're the ones that lean into the biggest party thing. And look, I love it. I love the idea of the waste management bringing the casual fan to golf, making golf more fun. But there still has to be some rules involved. And you can't just let everybody in, I guess, is my my thing.
2: Well, you're absolutely right. And the tourists just wanted to embrace it. this being the one time a year where we can go a little bit crazy and try to see How, as I mentioned earlier, the line that you can ride on this deal, and it just absolutely went too far in that deal. There will be changes that are going to have to be made going forward as to what those are going to be. I'm not extremely sure. You're just going to have to, like I said, not let everyone in, somehow try to monitor alcohol. The problem is you make so much money on alcohol, but then you have the exactly people get drunk, they do stupid things. Then you have a floodgate situation where someone goes out and does something really, really stupid, and then someone says, I can do something even dumber than that, and it's just the society we live in now. Woody, where everyone wants to become viral by doing something extremely, extremely idiotic, and unfortunately, with the times and with how TikTok and things like that, you can become famous for forty-eight hours if you do something that would have usually get you thrown in jail.
0: Well, with the with cell phones and all the video that we have now, you know, where it's it's out of control. Sam, believe it or not, it's, it's I know you want to blame the PGA Tour, but it's really there were three golf tournaments when I was playing that were kind of party central. We used to always say there was a party going on at a golf tournament just happened to show up, okay? Because that's really what it was. It was Phoenix, it was Dallas, and believe it or not, it was Colonial. So the Byron Nelson Colonial in Phoenix, we always used to chuckle about it. That that was just a big party that people went to, and we just happened to be playing golf. We kind of got in the way a lot of times for their party. So um, I think the ones out there in Phoenix called the Thunderbirds, they're the guys that that, that have really pushed this and built this. Um, and, and you know what it is like anything, guys? Just, is you get it one year and you think wow that was really good we can do better we can do better let's do this well let's add this and i guess you get to a point where you just go a little bit too far and uh, they went more than a little bit too far they went a long way this time and very seldom do you see golf professionals interacting in a negative way with the crowd because they're very seldom allowed to do it they're they're not allowed to get too close, and if they are too close and they yell something or do something, security will usually get them out of there really quick. So we had, you know, Zach Johnson, we had the whole show, we had uh, uh, even Spieth on 18 let off one um, F-bomb at the crowd. So um, it it was one of those situations, guys, where it has been a lot of fun. This year just wasn't as much, and so we'll see some We'll see some changes for next year. You can bet on that.
1: No doubt. And I think the weather played a massive factor in that too, that, you know, it's slippery and muddy and all of that stuff. And it was just everything that could go wrong uh, did go wrong. It was almost like the PGA Tour's version of a fire Fest. And I hear what you're saying, Woody. It's not just the PGA Tour pushing the party. It's the people that run the tournament and the sponsors as well. And obviously, waste management went from uh, signature event or from an elevated event to a non-elevated event because that means more money in their pocket. They don't have to pay the big purse, even though they're going to still get massive fans. So, look, I don't have a problem with it being a party. It's just almost to me like, what did you expect, you know, when you, <laughs> you have, yeah, you know, yeah, a quarter of a million like, people getting hammered, you know, yeah, so, like, eventually yeah, something's yeah. going to go wrong. Um, real quick, before we get to the golf, what he mentioned – The players getting upset. You mentioned Zach Johnson. You mentioned Jordan Speed, you know, obviously been on, I think it was, called it a shit show on Twitter. Um, You know, the people just, the players just absolutely hated it this week, I feel like. I did have to chuckle. The one thing that I did think was, Actually, pretty funny was someone calling Zach Johnson, I guess, a bad captain, and he comes over there and, says, <laughs> and he comes over there and says, "Shut up! I'm sick of it." You know, <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, I, I, I felt <laughs> like, uh, yeah, of course, Zach Johnson's probably sick of hearing that. But what were your thoughts yeah. on the players' reaction
2: to to the fans? Tito, <laughs> they hated it this week. They despised it, and one thing that this may lead to is not drawing as bit of a big of a field as it usually does because. Like you said, they don't necessarily care who's going to show. There's going to be millions or thousands of people that show up and want to go out there. This year, too many people were there. That was the problem they had. So, But the players, in a sense, yeah, they, do, they don't like noise coming out of nowhere in their backswing. They just, the difference between one shot here or there, the difference between Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler 18 under versus Tahiti Gala 17 under, was hundreds of thousands of dollars difference. That's one shot over the course of 72 holes. And it's an absolute party all four days. So you get one yell in the backswing, that could cost you two shots. That could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars at the end of the day. So I don't mind the players being upset by it whatsoever. Zach Johnson, at this point, he's heard he was a bad captain probably a billion times. So I can understand him being a little upset about it. And Billy Horschel got upset. He yelled at someone because this, actually the guy that was playing in Billy Horschel's group, I don't even know who it was, he was swinging and someone yelled in his backswing. Horschel went off, dropped an F-bomb on him speech was upset as you mentioned earlier and there's probably plenty of other instances of players being upset that we don't see in there i just feel like that for the noise factor 16 out there's a special exception because that's supposed to be the party hole situation woody but it got into a factor to where every single hole was like that which is probably a little bit extreme but and as we said earlier they read the line they read it too they wrote it too far and it's gonna be interesting to see what this tournament looks like next year now woody let me ask well, you guess this it. real quick woody Back
1: in the day, when obviously there were no cell phones and kind of what happened there stayed there, do you think it was just as crazy back in the day, but we didn't see it up close and personal on our phones? Like, did the players hate this event last,
0: you know, in the past before cell phones too? No, no, it wasn't even close to this. And, and to give our our listeners just kind of a an inkling of what we're talking about when we have a Ryder Cup, which is some of the rowdiest it can be, they limit the number of people that come to it to, I want to say it's 20,000 a day, Sam. I think it's a very small number. And why they do that is they want enough people to be able to get around. I know there's not 130 guys playing, but they want that intimacy that you get before you feel like you get there. Right. So think about 200,000 more people, okay, on that same place. When you get that many bodies, they used to have one big place that everybody party. It was called the Bird's Nest. From what I understand, there's bars now everywhere, five to ten of them. So they're all over the golf course. So now you've got 200,000 people with an abundance of alcohol. So, no, Sam, it wasn't even close. It was we we get a drunk or two maybe yell or something but nothing like this this but the other side of the coin is though guys zach johnson knew what he was getting into when he became the captain if zach would have been a winner like steve stricker was the last time we really dominated everybody would been going way to go uh you know red white and blue there uh zach but Zach Tank did his job. Now, whether he did it or his players did it, I don't care. But he he signed up for it. Does that mean that people should still be able to abuse you? Uh, no, but they're gonna. In every other sport, they do. Do you think that there's some people at that Super Bowl that were yelling some nasty things early on for the Kansas City Chiefs when they couldn't move? Uh, yeah, they probably were. Somebody probably was dumb enough to call. You know, Mahomes, a, a bad quarterback. We you know, that isn't true, but everybody's got a right. That's why we live in America. You freedom of speech. If it gets out of line, there's security to get them out of there. The worst thing you can do, from what I've been told, and I'm not very good at it, but if somebody's mouthing you, don't respond. Just smile and move on. That, that drives them more crazy. As soon as you respond, then that ups to another level. You guys know this. I'm not telling anybody who's listening to this podcast that doesn't know that. Once you have friction, the more you go back and forth, the more that friction becomes. That's why what do you don't do at any of your family outings, guys? You don't talk politics and you don't talk religion. Now you better not talk golf because people feel strong <laughs> about Liz. They feel strong about PGA Tour. So there's every time you turn around, there's things now we can't talk about because if you've got your mindset on the fact that Zach was a, a bum and didn't do a good job, I'm I'm not going to change you no matter what I tell you about Zach golf. So I think that this was a perfect illustration of wanting to make something even more special, and you just kept doing it more and more until you finally, I guess, you you lit off a bomb that just was too much and uh, this was the week. So the golf tournament, though, that we're going to talk about was a pretty exciting golf tournament. The fans and all that, you know, it just got out of control. Let's move on from that.
1: No doubt, and obviously we're talking about Saturday at the Waste Management. Let's talk about Sunday, the golf tournament that did get overshadowed. Fellas, Nick Taylor and Charlie Hoffman played phenomenal golf on Sunday. Nick Taylor shoots a 65 on Sunday, and Charlie Hoffman shoots a 64. Charlie Hoffman looked like he almost basically had the tournament in the bag, and then Nick Taylor birdies 15, 16, 16. Doesn't even birdie the most birdieable hole out of those four. Uh, you know, on 17, he makes par and then birdies 18 to get into a playoff. And then birdies 18 two more times. And the last time, basically in the dark, Nick Taylor put on an absolute show at the end of that golf tournament T dub. And I had to have the two TVs set up during the Super Bowl because I was enthralled with what I was watching with that playoff between Charlie Hoffman and Nick Taylor. I thought it was phenomenal golf.
2: Yeah, about the time that Charlie Hoffman finished at 21 under, I thought, oh, well, I'm going to go ahead and mainly just watch the Super Bowl. I mean, I'll see what, what else is going on with the golf, see if anyone can make a finish. But I thought Charlie Hoffman had them back. But here comes Nick Taylor just making birdies out of nowhere. And then it was. You just played some exceptional golf coming down the stretch. You truly did. Being able to birdie 18 three straight times to birdie it to get into the playoff and then burning it as Charlie Hoffman did on the first playoff hole and then able to make the next birdie. On that 18th hole, it really just seemed like it was a putting contest on the first playoff hole at least because they both had relatively short putts, both of them made. And then on the, the second time, they both missed the fairway, which then made it extremely interesting, but then hit some good shots up there, Nick Taylor, putted last and was able to make the putt. Ironically, both of these players led the field this week in strokes game putting. Nick Taylor, 2.23, and Charlie Hoffman, 1.78. What he's so interesting to see both but, both of the best putters this week at the top of the leaderboard. Not a strange occurrence there, but then you look down at Scotty Scheffler, who putted absolutely horrible in the final round. It just seems like that's absolute clockwork. So we see it there, missed a short putt on seven, and then missed short putts on 13, 14. And 15 coming down the stretch, where he's only lose by three shots and missing that many short putts? He's got to be kicking himself like he did a lot of times last year.
0: I'll say this, guys. Watching Scotty Scheffler play on Sunday, because we got to watch him finish his third round and his fourth round, I am still just enthralled at how good this guy hits it. I mean, he hit every iron shot right at the flag and i it didn't matter where the flag was it was tucked by a water or a bunker or where it was his irons were on a frozen line at him every time plus his driver was about 3 325 right down the middle so he just is amazing to me to watch now it was a bad Sunday for me because I really wanted Charlie Hoffman. I mean, Charlie Hoffman is one of the few guys I do actually kind of know that he was really young and I was starting to get old, but he is playing a little pro-am. I did with Vince Skill called the Woody and Vince. And I remember getting him one one or two years when he was just barely, I think in fact, he was either on the Hogan or the Nike tour at the time and even got to the PGA tour, but what a class act and a really good guy. And I'm thinking, how good a story is this? Now, it's not what the PGA Tour wants. They want Scotty Scheffler. They want Jordan Spieth. They want those guys up there. But I thought, well, this is just going to add to our year, guys. We've had two guys on rehab. We've had uh, you know all the story damnators and everything else that we've had this year. How about Charlie Hoffman coming out of nowhere, representing waste management for all the years he does and comes and wins the golf tournament? And dang, if that don't connect. doesn't birdie all those holes. Then I get disappointed and I turn on the Super Bowl and I'm going to watch it for a while. What did I tell you about the Super Bowl? Who do I not want to win that? Sorry, <laughs> I thought Sam. you said you weren't going to watch safe. it. Well, I had to watch a little. My wife wanted to watch <laughs> a little bit of it. And, and I thought, okay, I'll watch a little bit of this. And I thought, well, San Francisco's look good. And then. Dang, that they don't. So he's a bad Sunday for me because normally you're not supposed to pull for one player or the other if you're really a good fan. But I wanted Hoffman and I wanted San Francisco and I didn't get either one. So he's a little disappointing. Great golf, but it was really, really disappointing to me.
1: No, I, I get it, Woody. And I think pretty much everyone was rooting for Charlie Hoffman but i mean the golf was just phenomenal from Nick Taylor speaking of Charlie Hoffman real quick yeah. i mean this second was out of out of absolute nowhere now he did tie for 13th at the RSM, but over the last year, really two years, fellas, he has way more missed cuts than he has made cuts on the PGA Tour. You know, he did finish second at the Waste Management all the way back in 2009. By the way, wasn't the Waste Management back then. It was the FBR Open, Phoenix Open. Uh, That's how long it's been since he's finished second at the Waste Management. Um, but kind of out of nowhere, T-Dub, for Charlie Hoffman. And then tell us a little bit more about Nick Taylor. Obviously won the Canadian Open last year and that, you know, scenic event. And <laughs> Speaking of craziness after that with Adam Hadwin getting tackled and draining the long putt. But uh, Nick Taylor is for real. I, I was impressed with especially his iron play coming down the stretch.
2: Yeah, Sneakley's been playing some really solid golf over the last really couple of years, in all honesty. He's really started to pick it up. Last year, when he was able to win at the uh, at the Canadian Open, being able to break through, being the first Canadian to do that there in 70 something years or whatever it was. And then coming back to the Phoenix Open, he played the Phoenix Open really well in the past. So that was really not a shock whenever you look at that. But he had, I believe, 120 to 1 odds or something like that coming into the event. So just continuing the trend of off the wall winners, I believe Wyndham Clark at something like 80 to 1 at most sports books was the highest winner or highest Best odds to win that a winner's had so yeah, far my this one, year. So you that's weren't his. here last
1: week, T-Dub. That was my one-and-done pick, and he shot the highest round of anybody in the final round, shot four over to finish like 45th place after being in the top ten. Thank you, Wyndham. I appreciate it. Daggum.
2: <laughs> he made too many putts on that third round at Pebble to uh, to get anything else done. He just ran out of gas. But, yeah, going back to Nick Taylor, what, really when you look at it, he's one of the best putters. In the world right now, he doesn't hit the ball very far off the tee, but every other aspect of his game, he's more than above average. Hits the ball pretty straight. Didn't hit it his driver very good in the final round yesterday, but was able to make up for by hitting some really good iron shots. Gained more than three shots approach. As did Charlie Hoffman as well. Uh, when he was talking about how well Scotty Scheffler hit it, he gained more. He gained four and a half shots approach, which is absolutely unheard of for one round. That is crazy stuff to see that happen. But then the putter, obviously let him down one thing interesting about charlie hoffman i remembered a couple years ago remember two years ago right around this time was kind of when the live rumors were starting to starting to come about and was right around the same time rory said oh the the league's dead but then we had some rumors that maybe it wasn't going to be and then charlie hoffman he got a bad ruling or a bad drive he really got screwed on the rules what happened on the 13th hole a par five had a horrible drive but then he, he he Placed his ball because it was on a slope, and then he moved, and then the ball rolled into the water, and he was still stroked again. It's absolutely a dumb rule. But he went to Twitter or to Instagram, just absolutely ripped the PGA Tour, and ripped Jay Monahan, ripped the rules officials, ripped the USGA, and said, "Quote: uh, You wonder why guys are wanting to jump ship and go play on another tour." So it looked like, oh hell, Charlie Hoffman is definitely going to live. So Woody, I wouldn't have had on my bingo card two years ago Charlie Hoffman finishing second at the Waste Management. After the stuff that he said, yeah.
0: well, here's the other thing, guys, keep in mind, Charlie Kaufman is playing this year on a one time exemption, being one of the career fifty money winners, okay, I don't know if you guys know that or not, but he's he's using his one time exemption this year for that now, it's worked out pretty good because with this what because he he's already got a card for the next year but what he also is doing and what's really ironic about this guys is look who's stealing these spots to get into these signature events It's it's not again who the pga tour probably was thinking about okay the two guys uh one what the south african finished uh ended up finishing second behind the amateur there at, you call it Buzendorf or whatever his name is. The okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. He hard hard me. I'm not good with it. And the Frenchman Paval uh, or whatever his name is. But my point here is, guys, I can't pronounce your name because I don't know him, and I'm pretty much a golf geek. What's the rest of the country thinking, okay? So we're not getting. What I'm saying is uh, this is not necessarily working out exactly how the PGA Tour would have foreseen it, but that's why it is the PGA Tour, because all these guys can play, and we keep saying that, and every week, what have we had? P.W. said it best. 80-1 to has been the lowest odds that a guy's won with. Matt B., Wyndham, Clark. Everybody else has been over 101. So we got Riviera coming up, and it's supposed to be all the stars. Well, I'm just going to say, guys, if somebody comes out of the pack at Riviera that we aren't what we call household name and wins, we're starting to see a bad trend from the PGA Tour is what I'm telling
1: you. Fellas, let's transition and talk about, to me, the tournament that had the best leaderboard this week. That was Live Las Vegas and Dustin Johnson wins by one shot over... Our man Taylor Gooch and another former cowboy, Peter Uline. By the way, uh, solo fourth place was Matthew Wolf at ten under par. There was a time during this tournament, fellas, that you had you had Dustin Johnson, John Rom, Peter Uline, Taylor Gooch, Matthew Wolf, and Jason Kokrak. Right? I, I think it was what it was, and all of those guys were like tied for the lead with seven holes left. <laughs> and it was crazy, and by the way, Team Smash ends up winning the golf tournament at 33 under par, uh, winning by seven shots over the four aces, but fellas, this was insane. This was one of those live events where it's all going on at the same time, and it's almost hard to figure out what was going on, but I will say this, that Taylor Gooch, after making the double bogey at number 10, which was his ninth hole. He hit it up, you know, hit it into a fairway bunker, hit it into the lip, embedded, ended up making double. But then he birdies 14, 16, 17, and 1 to finish his round, three under on the round after going bogey double on 9 and 10. Fellas, unbelievable stuff from Taylor Gooch to even get himself into the conversation to make that 18th hole. Extremely interesting, not only with Dustin Johnson, but Peter Uline, who made like a 10-foot par putt on 18 to would have possibly gotten him into a playoff if Dustin ended up messing up on 18. And guess what? Dustin Johnson does mess up on 18. He hits it right. And on this hole, if you weren't watching the golf tournament, it's like a little bit of a dogleg right, and there's water all short and right of the green, and the pin was back right over the bunker on the... The bunker's just over the water, and the pin is back right, and he has no shot from the right side, and he gets an extremely fortunate, temporary, immovable obstruction break from a scoreboard that's 200 yards away from him, basically in the middle of the lake. That's how far right he was, and this green is two-tiered, so if he would have... Had to play it from where his tee shot went, he would have had to play out to the left and have a tough chip or pot up over this giant ridge. But what ended up happening is he got the temporary immovable obstruction drop, which allowed him to see the flag, see the upper tier, you know, not have to deal with the water as much. Gave him a drop to where, obviously, we're dropping from our knee now. It's not as bad of a lie in the rough. And he hits it up on the top tier and two putts his way to victory, fellas. I thought it was an extremely fortunate break. It wasn't an illegal drop. I'm just saying it's an extremely fortunate break for Dustin Johnson. I was really hoping to see a DJ Taylor Gooch-Peter Uline playoff right there. And by the way, shout out to Matthew Wolf and his caddy Nick Heinen, who those guys, you know, helping each other play a whole lot better golf than they were playing last year as a team there on live. So fellas, what were your thoughts on live Las Vegas? Also, by the way, teed up Rom, you know, finishes eight under par, has a tough final round, shoots one over in the final round, tough conditions on that Saturday, which was the last day they went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, tough conditions. Greg Norman called it the toughest they've seen on live. I thought it was a very, very entertaining Saturday on live. I was glued to the TV.
2: Yeah, the weather conditions on on Saturday, the final round, were definitely played a a huge factor. The the scoring average was more than a shot over par whenever the first two days it played, more than a shot and a half under par both days. So, yeah, it was definitely a lot harder in that final round. And you look at especially like how 18 played. 18 was the hardest hole on the entire course. Gained or played almost a, a half a shot over par, which ironically the first hole played almost half a shot under par, so depending on where you started on this, and trying to follow the leaderboard when there was a six-way tie, and you had no idea how it was going to prevail, you looked at someone like Taylor Gooch, who was going to finish on number one, so you knew he had a good chance of making a birdie there, but then, how are we going to get through 18? Because that flag was tucked up there on that top right shelf. That was not a very big landing area. And, yes, Dustin Johnson got a very fortunate break being able to get a drop from uh, from the scoreboard, because had not, he probably would have had a punch out and tried to get Up and down, but he still hit a tremendous shot even out of that rough. Probably hit a seven iron or something like that. Posted it up there. Not very many players were able to get back on that top shelf, showing why the scoring average on that hole was so high. So he still hit a great shot there and able to seal the deal. Had it been about a foot or so left, it would have probably rolled down the hill and he would have had a very tricky two putt. But he made a really good putt on 17 for Bertie, made a really good putt on 15 for Bertie. So he had some good putts coming down the stretch. For sure. Our man Taylor Gooch played some very solid golf, as you mentioned, after that double bogey on number 10. Bernie in 14, 16, 17, and then making a really good par on 18, and then Bernie in his last hole. Number one was good stuff. Line played good golf as well, able to make a very clutch par on 18. And then, Woody, you look at some guys you would consider superstars. John Rahm, once again, second live event in the row. He played very bad coming down the stretch. Bogeyed Epstein actually hit a shank on his third shot and missed a very, very short putt for par on 15 to make a bogey, and then bogeyed 18 coming down the stretch. So he played bad. Bryson DeChambeau shoots four over in the final round. He doubles 10, bogey's 11, the bogey's 16 coming down the stretch and shot even par on the front nine. So, Woody, a lot to take from this tournament, but uh, great stuff from our man TG and Dustin Johnson uh, played some exceptional golf uh, to get the $4 million check.
0: What we see is how good DJ is. Dustin Johnson's just amazing. He he he's just such a superb athlete He's such a great golfer that he can he can take lots of time off and still come out and win. Uh I was glad to see Taylor play really good this week. It seemed like he was kind of a little bit rusty last week and then he came out and showed his normal great stuff. I think it's kinda of cool that both Kepka's got to be excited about his team with Taylor, aren't they? Won, uh, even the Range goes with Bubba's two little uh, what we call a little bit of projects, especially Matthew Wolf. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know what? I look for Matthew Wolf to have a good year, so he's off to a good start here. And same with Line. they're friends. That's a much better situation for Matthew Wolf than that Brooks Kepka beat me up. Every week they play. I, I mean, I felt bad for Wolf. It's a good situation for him. You know, I, I got to be honest, though. This weekend, watching that was complicated for me. I mean, I doggone, there's just so much going on in that live that – I just get kind of involved just watching them play. I, I never know who's going to win. I have to count on Folks and Verity to tell me who's going to win the dang thing, and I can't keep up. They're making so many birdies, especially with four guys' scores counting that last day. And we you know it used to be just three guys counted. Now they have to take all four players, so it's dramatic how much it can change. That's why Smash ended up just running off and leaving them because all. Four of those guys shot under par on that really difficult day, and they just blew by everybody guys so i mean it's it is an interesting golf I still i I don't understand why people won't watch it uh, because it really is entertaining i mean and it's good it is these guys can go so I don't know i mean and i uh, judging from all we're hearing right now guys. I don't think the PGA Tour and the uh, uh, Yasser and all those I don't think they're getting together like we thought they were. I I think I think it might be a little longer than what we thought. So, hold on to your jock strap as they say cuz this going to get a little bit more ugly as the year goes on.
1: No doubt. And to your point on Team Smash, hopefully the first of many wins for Taylor Gooch and Brooks Kepka's team, Team Smash. Graham McDowell played phenomenal in that final round. So did Kokrak, even had to share the lead at one point until he decides to hit the tree branch and go in the water on 18. Um, but, fellas, to your point, uh, on Team Smash in that final round, they shoot 10 under in the final round. Four aces finish second. They shoot even in the final round as a team. The Range Goats finished third. They shoot two over in the final round as a team. Counting all four scores, T-Dub, did make it a whole lot more volatile in that final round. If one guy screws up at all, that team, I mean, you could have one hole where a team has an eight-shot lead and, you know, you could blow an eight-shot lead with one hole as a team.
2: I think it's been a very good change for sure. Definitely entertaining stuff these first two live events. You look at Team Smash, they shot 10 under, the final round, as you mentioned, the next best score was the Majestics, who shot four under, and then the four aces who shot even were actually the third best score that was shot in that final round. So only two teams learned under par and Smash was ten under collectively. Everyone on the team but exception in the final round was able was which is why they were able to vault so far ahead and get the seven shot win. And you look at who's the most improved team, there's no doubt about it. It's team Smash. They've improved so much getting live player of the year, Taylor Gooch. And then putting Graham McDowell on the team as well to replace uh, Hefka's brother, who wasn't for the dam at all. So, yeah, it was very good. Graham McDowell played very good this week, finishing D5, shot 500 in the final round. So, yeah, very, very uh, good stuff from Team Smash Woody. And it's it's sad that we have to leave the Range Goats. I love their logo. I still do. I'm still going to wear the shirt from time to time. But I do have to give me some Team Smash gear because I got to – Brute on our man T G, and they got to do Kepka as well because uh, also the uh, the hat that T G was wearing in the final round with the smash upside down. I thought that was a very good look. I need to get me one of those.
1: Hey up, we still yeah, have I've... two cowboys on the range goats though. That was fun to watch. We what, do, what you... we, we do. We
0: yeah, and that's what I was going to say, guys. We when you really think of the live tour, we have got a bunch of Okies out there, Sooners and cowboys. More cowboys than we got Sooners, but. So it is a you know, it's it's hard to say we can't just every week pull for Smash because we got Wolf and Uline on the Rangecoach now. So
1: uh Or look who I finished mean, third. I
0: mean the Crushers
1: with friend of the show Charles Howe. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it is fun to watch <laughs> for
0: Oklahomans. Yeah. It really is. Well, the only guy that really hasn't come to play is Kara. We we need him to win again and then now we really got some going on and Abe Answers. So uh, I, I, again it was a cool weekend for golf and and I, I i hope i wish people were were really getting involved in it because like i said i don't i don't see this mending guys especially some of the, some of the things that were said over this past week uh about uh don't let them back don't let them come without some kind of penalties and i, I just get the feeling that that these guys on the PGA tour are getting a really false sense of comfort level. And isn't it funny that they were so mad at the live guys for taking all the upfront money. Well, what do you think that first billion dollars, you saw what they're going to do with it, didn't you guys? Well, they're going to spread it out between the top 35 on the PGA tour. Okay. We're going to get 3 billion. The first billion, I'm going to spread it out through Tiger and Jordan and all these other guys, Rory. They're going to take a big chunk of that money, okay? And then they're going to play and burn through the other $1.5 And then where are they going to be? Fundraising again. Okay. They're going to be out there. They're going to be stuck again. And there you go. And so they're going to be really proud of themselves here for the first uh, bonus check. And then guess what you got? And and so what do we got, Sam? Now I've got Woody sitting here going, all right, yeah, morons. Now I hope they get hit even harder. You remember when I said they were first when we got live and I said they needed kicked in the nuts? Well, they got kicked in the nuts and they, just did, they put an ice pack on it and they thought they were good. Well, guess what? I hope they get kicked harder this time, okay? When they burn through all their money, I don't want to hear them whining again, okay? That's all I'm going to say about that because it's going to happen. They're going to run out of money, and here they're going to be again. And uh, get ready. What we say, what's Nostradamus, and that's the guy that predicts the future? Well, that's what I'm going to tell you now. Get ready.
1: Good stuff there, Woody. Yes, Dustin Johnson, Team Smash, both win, live Las Vegas. Real quick, I want to circle back to the – The Temporary Immovable Obstruction Rule, T-Dub. I kind (laughs) of mentioned it, but please help me explain how it's a good rule when Dustin Johnson... And it was the correct ruling. I never said that it wasn't the correct ruling. But my point is, it's it's in his line of sight. From him to the pin is the reason why he got relief. But by the way, there's... 55 other bushy trees in between him and the scoreboard to where he can't even see the scoreboard or the pin regardless. So I don't know. Maybe we need to take a second look at this rule and hopefully something like this doesn't happen in a major championship. I don't know. We see it on the PGA Tour all the time. This isn't a live rule or anything. This is a professional golf rule where guys get to use grandstands and scoreboards to their advantage. I I just hate it sometimes, T-Dub.
2: I do too. It ruins the integrity of the rule is what it does. Because as you mentioned, there's thousands of trees in his way. There's no way you're going to be able to hit a shot through all that stuff. But the oh, there's a little big scoreboard right up there, right in front of the pond that's in my way. So yeah, I can't see the flag. And with the flag being all the way on the right, that led to it more so being the case. I bet if the flag was way on the left, it at least wouldn't have gotten far enough out to where the tree still may have been at least a, a factor in a sense. But, yeah, it was – I don't know. It's it's such a fine line because you want to say – well, common sense would say, okay, yeah, you're not going to – the scoreboard isn't the main thing in your way here. But you can't ever say – And if you're like if you want to say you're outside of the fairway, then you can't do the rule. But what if you're the scoreboard's literally five feet in front of you? then you have to be able to take a little bit of relief. So I don't know, what It's a fine line. I wish, some, I wish sometimes common sense would just prevail and we say, no, the scoreboard is not really in your way. The trees are more on so your way, so you have to play it from here. But Dustin Johnson took advantage of the ruling and hit a great shot and got it on the tournament. But it did make it a little less anticlimactic, even though, as I mentioned, he hit a great shot. And the likelihood of him making a bogey and it being a playoff was a lot higher had he not been able to get that drop.
0: Well, common sense. Now, see, when you start talking about common sense, but you can't just do it with golf. You got to do it when you vote, when you drive, when you do a lot of things. Because most people don't use common sense anywhere, from what I've seen in this state. So, here's what we got: one is a man-made obstruction, one is God. Okay. Well, you got to play through God's obstruction. You get moved from man-made obstructions, okay. So, what what you really have here is I, I'll tell you this, guys. If Every day you went out to play golf, and even our listeners that shoot 100, okay, if you had grandstands and galleries, you'd be surprised how much your score could come down because the gallery will find your ball when you wouldn't, okay? You'll also hit somebody in the gallery and ricochet back to where you're probably in a good spot. It'll keep you from going into trouble. And then if you do hit a bomb way over a green, it gets rattled around grandstand. You get to drop it right by the green. So you get to save a bunch of shots. The problem is you will never get that ability because you're not good enough. <laughs> okay. So there's never gonna be any of those things unless you happen to go play a tour event and they haven't torn everything down yet after you after they've left. So I think the rules the problem with the rules in golf is a lot of times up Dry, there should be a common sense factor and the rule but they, they haven't done that yet. Just like Nick Dunlap went in $1.5 million. He won the tournament. Give him the frickin' money, okay? No, no, PGA Tour says if you said you were not a pro, you don't get that. So, common sense, what would it tell you? Give him the money, right? PGA, not so much. So, yeah. At mute point, I mean, Dustin Johnson might have made birdie if he kicked out. He might not have, but we'll never know. Bottom line is he got $4 million and won the tournament.
1: That's right. That's right. And he hit a heck of a shot, took advantage of the good break for sure. Last guy I have to talk about and dive a little bit more into before we hit this break is Matthew Wolf? Matthew Wolf shoots ten under for the golf tournament. Was even you know hitting great shots off of a guy's back porch. <laughs> was, he has a foot on the back porch, and the guy's slugging a Bud Diesel over there, and watching Matthew Wolf hit a shot off his back porch. Essentially, got a got a lucky break there for that ball to stay in bounds, but. My man Matthew Wolf and Nick Heinen out there with the short sleeve shirt, shorts, and the beanie out there. Uh, I love the fact that Matthew Wolf is back because golf is better with Matthew Wolf playing good golf.
2: Yeah, it was good to see some some good golf for Matthew Wolf. He finished twenty-eighth last week down in Monacoba, so kind of middle of the pack range, but this week finishing four shooting 100 in the final round. Would have liked to see him had a little bit better finish, in making bogeys on fourteen. 14- and 16 coming down the stretch and not able to make a birdie on 15 definitely hurt. So that 14 through 16 range was really what cost him the tournament. It, it was the driver,
1: wasn't it, T Dub? I mean, the driver he couldn't find the fairway late.
2: Yeah, well, a lot of those holes are were a little bit we crosswind and a little bit into sometimes. So that makes it really really tricky. And you look at, for example, in the in the second round, seven out of the nine holes on the back nine played under par, and then on the back nine in the final round there was only three holes that played under par. So six of them played over par. So it was drastically different. And in particular, that, that middle stretch on that back nine is what made a lot harder. So Matthew Wolf wasn't the only one who was susceptible to to that hard part of the golf course. But unfortunately, it cost him, because he played really solid golf up to that point, making uh, three birdies through the first 13 holes with no bogeys up to that point. So it was good. But also, too, we've seen it from Matthew Wolf in the past where the driver can get a little crooked, and he just isn't able to trust it. He has such a high ball flight. And so whenever you have the the wind, it makes it hard to visualize that sense because ideally you'd want to hit a low and a little bit of trap shot. But even if he has a low spin, it's still hard to, to get that flight exactly where you want to be committed to it. But still fourth place finish very solid. Hopefully it's the start of a very good season because it'll be interesting to see if we look back on the Taylor Gooch, Matthew Wolf trade between the two teams and see exactly how it plays out because if Wolf starts playing off like he did back in the uh, 2020 range then it, it may not look out may not look like to be as bad of a trade as it did on paper
0: i think it was a trade that needed to happen it didn't make sense to all of us sitting around at or on our computer screens and watching on television you're giving up the guy that wins the money or to a guy that supposedly listened to brooks kepka was washed up so if you're if you're looking at that trade like all of us did we went what? But then we also need to remember how good Matthew Wolf is. If Matthew Wolf has all the stars aligned and he's comfortable and he wants to play, he's every bit as good a player as anybody on that tour. Okay, so he can he can produce some really good good golf. So I I I said it when we talked about that first time. I think you're going to have a big year out of Matthew Wolf this year. I think he, he really enjoys playing with Uline, and I think he likes Bubba. I think there's a big difference between Bubba and Kepka. So one beats you up, the other builds you up, and, and we'll see, but I think Wolf's going to have a big year.
1: No doubt. It sure seems like it worked out for both sides. Team Smash gets the win. Matthew Wolf playing better golf. All good over there. Let's go ahead and hit a break on the 73rd Hole podcast. If you're not already following us at the 73rd Hole on X and at 73rd Hole on Instagram, definitely make sure and go do so after the break. Riviera Preview here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole podcast. We are back on the other side of the break on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Definitely go get all of your local golf news on GolfOklahoma.org. Last week, we had Bill Brogdon and Jim Kane on right there on the front page of GolfOklahoma.org. You can go read a story on that 1981 ORU men's golf team that Kim McLeod wrote. Good stuff on Golf Oklahoma Org. Fellas, we have a signature event this week on the PGA Tour, the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. Tiger is back this week. We also have Scottie Scheffler, Rory McElroy, Xander, and Hovlin, and Justin Thomas, and Morikawa, Sam Burns, Patrick Cantley. Go on down the list, pick a PGA Tour pro. They're going to be playing at Riviera, and that's where I want to start is why, t in your mind, does every single player that you ask have Riviera in their top five of favorite courses they play on the PGA Tour?
2: This is an absolutely stellar golf course, stellar design. So many great golf holes out there, and it requires every aspect of your game to be there. If you're missing fairways out there, it's going to play extremely tough because that rough, is gnarly stuff and you need to be able to come from the fairway because a lot of those greens are extremely hard to hit some very classic holes out there number 10 one of the most famous short par fours in the game number two a drive a little dog leg right par four that's a really good hole very underrated hole not many people talk about it uh number six is the hole with the bunker in the middle of the green uh 18 obviously a classic finishing come uh a finishing hole coming up that big hill there so yeah it's a lot of holes, a lot of great, great design there. It, it's so much classic feel there, too. It's very funny that Tiger Woods, this was the first tournament that he ever played in, and he's never won here. He's played here numerous times. He didn't play here as much as he has, for example, Tory Pines or anything like that, but played here a good amount and still was not able to win. He finished, uh, actually, the time they finished second, it wasn't even at this course. So it's uh, interesting to see the Tiger's Riviera record wasn't very good, considering I thought this would be a place that he would, Well, considering it's the first time he played as a pro and in California, where he's normally traditionally dominated California courses,
0: he actually played the LA Open in, I believe, in 1991 when he was 16 and then 17 years old. And uh, let me tell you, I beat his ass both years, boys. I wore him out, wore him out. (laughs) I was 2 0 against against Tiger Woods the first two times I played him. Now, I don't usually tell people he was 16 and 17 because that didn't matter. He's still better than I was. Riviera, though, guys, it should be on your bucket list. There's few golf courses, very few golf courses. I'll tell you guys to go play if you get the chance. Riviera is one of them. It is probably one of my my favorites. Uh, The eucalyptus trees are so huge at this place. And the golf course is just a classic golf course. It's not the same as I played. Uh, there's so many of those holes like that. Number two, you were talking about, uh, T-Dub. It was a driver and probably a three-, four-iron shot into the screen. Uh, these guys, you know, they're hitting seven-irons. Number nine, there were some bunkers out there that you couldn't get in them. Well, they blow it over them. Uh So I, I would hit fives and six-irons. If I killed a driver, I might have a seven-iron on nine. They're hitting nines and wedges. So... It's not the same golf course that I played, but the layout is. And it it's as good as it gets, guys. It really does. But but are right Tiger has never really played this golf course well. That the one year he did any second was at Valencia Country Club, which is a, another type of golf course that's really good there, but it's not even close to as good as Riviera. So put it on your bucket list, any of our listeners, if you're in that part of the country out there in LA, man, I'd I'd go to Riviera and I'd go to Bel Air if I could.
1: Fellas, let's talk about Tiger really quick. Obviously, we saw him at the Hero World Challenge. He finished 18th, uh, didn't play great that week, but his body looked healthy, also looked pretty healthy at the PNC Father son. He finished tied for 45th at the Genesis last year, and I was like, man, maybe he's not that injured, like he, he's, his body looks pretty good. You know, it's just the little things like getting back into the groove of playing competitive golf, not putting it into bunkers. Like we saw Tiger do last year at the Genesis. And then we get to Augusta and his body breaks down on him. Now, He looks a whole lot better just walking, at least he did at the Hero and did at the PNC father-son, that he doesn't quite have that limp that he had. He still has the speed, obviously, but it's a matter of him being able to play enough competitive golf to get in a groove to where possibly maybe get hot one week, but you're not going to be able to get hot one week if you only play once a month, in my opinion. So I think this is a big test a big barometer on how healthy is tiger woods this week um what do you expect to see from tiger this week t-dub and do you think that his body is going to hold up do you think he's going to make the cut this week and get 72 holes of competitive golf if he's only playing once a month making cuts is imperative for tiger when he plays events like this right
2: 100 percent. he has to be able to get more experience the better hopefully the body does not break down and hopefully he can just be able to get grind through tournament competitive golf and be able to, get, like I said, get that rust off and be able to not do the stupid-ass things that you've seen him do. As you said, put in the bunkers or make dumb bogeys with wedges in your hand or sh- hitting the ball 15 yards over the top of the fly because you don't have your distance control right if there's a little bit of gust of wind, which are all things that if, if you haven't played in a long time that you just can't prepare for in a sense. You have to just go through the trials and tribulations to get it done, and so hopefully he will be able to make the cut. Top 50 in ties, make the cut, which is an all probably all signature events should be, but they decide to go no cut most of the time, so I am happy to see that we do have a signature event that is going to have a cut. That is a promising thing. Hopefully Tiger is able to make the cut. I do think that he will. I do think that hopefully, this is just me, optimistically, I think his body will hold up, and you look at, for example, how he did at the Hero, every aspect of his game wasn't very good, except his driver. He actually drove the ball really well. He gained more than a shot off the tee per round there, which is something that we usually had not seen from Tiger. Usually it was the exact opposite where he'd kind of spray it all over the place and then he would hit his irons exceptionally well and then his putting over the last how many ever years has been hit or miss. But, in he played a tournament last year, he finished 45th. The last time he played before that was 2020 where he finished 68th. Uh, he was, I believe that year, he actually shot four under in the, on the front nine and then kind of uh, went to crap after that. So, I don't know what he may should be optimistically. I think he'll play well for Tiger, but uh, I think that it'll be somewhere around the highest I think he would be. would be around 20th. I think that's optimistically. I think somewhere around 35th to 45th is probably a better uh, better guess at this point.
0: He's only got to beat, how I many he's playing this week? 70, I think. But anyway, he's got to only beat a very few of them to get to make a cut. And that, that's like you said, I was hoping this one wouldn't have one for his sake, but the cool thing about Riviera, guys, it's not a hard walking golf course. It's hard to get from the clubhouse down to the golf course and back up. This hill you got to climb to go there is brutal. It's, I mean, it's like a mountain go straight up. But once you, once you leave number one tee and get down into the golf course, you don't have to go back up that giant hill till you're done. Okay, so unless you tee off ten, you know, in that case you go down and then have to crawl back up it again to go to one tee, but. I think, I think he's pretty healthy. I, I mean, much more so than last year. Okay, um, when he tried this before, I, I think he is better this time around. So we we will see. It will not take long. The cool thing about Riviera is is it's a ball striker's paradise. If you're if you're really hitting the ball pretty well, you don't have to light up the putter you can really stay in the contest by just hitting fairways and greens. And I I think he'll do that. I really do. So uh, optimistic, I'm like T-Dub. I'd love to see, you know, around 20th. But if we can get a 40th, 72 holes, doesn't look like he's hurting, that'll be a win.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Anytime you finish 72 holes, if you're Tiger Woods right now, that's an absolute success. Now, some people might be saying making the cut this week is a success for Tiger, and some people might be going, "Wait, what? It's a signature event, limited field, no cut." Well, this particular signature event, T Dub has a cut. Correct this week at at the
2: Genesis Invitational. Yeah, it can be pretty confusing with how they want to do it. The first two signature events did not have a cut. This one will have a cut. There's going to be low fifty. And ties. I'm trying to find the exact field size. I think it's somewhere around the 75 mark. So yeah, it's you're not going to have to finish extremely extremely high to make the cut. But yeah, still gonna have to play some solid golf because it is a pretty loaded field. But yeah, I think maybe the Memorial is going to be another signature event that doesn't have a cut. But for the most part, they wanted to go limited field, no cut event to make sure that all the best players were there on Saturday and Sunday to, to get the uh, for the TV and also to get fans out to watch, but I think Tiger really wanted to heavily endorse that his tournament have a cut, so I think that's the reason why this one does, and it's uh, it's a good thing to see because it's uh, I think it's kind of dumb to play a, a lot of events without a cut. It, I think it would be better if mo- mo- most of them were like this, and I need to see. I don't know exactly right now for sure because I don't think tee times are out yet, I would love if every player went off of the first hole because with only being 70 players, I hate the fact that you have to start your round on the 10th hole. Sometimes it's just, it's not a hole to start the round on. That's not a Riviera. (laughs) Well, that's my point. The the drivable par four, it also completely messes with pace of play because you have players go up. And then as soon as they get on the green, you have to have the guys that tee off hit up. And then it, it just becomes an absolute mess. So, I don't know if they're going to do it this week or not, but I would love if everyone could just tee off on the first hole and just go from there.
0: They should be able to tee up because if there's only 75 guys, because most most fields, uh, especially where they have double tee times, are 156-man fields. So really that's half. So you should be able to everybody go off number one. And I couldn't agree with you more because Riviera is the worst place you want to start on 10th. You don't want to start on that 10th hole at Riviera.
1: No doubt. One of the greatest drivable par fours in the country, fellas. While we're still on Tiger, Tiger did announce his Sunday Red apparel, which let me go here and make sure I get this correct. The SDR, as they're calling it, Sunday Red, is a premium active lifestyle brand, not just golf clothes, apparel and footwear it will be available on May 1st on sundayred.com. Uh, I guess you can pre-order some clothes today on sundayred.com but Tiger breaking out his apparel deal with SDR he's going to wear the clothes this week and obviously they're partnered with TaylorMade T-Dub. Going to be a different red shirt for Tiger Woods on Sunday. Same red shirt or same color of red shirt but different different brand. SDR this week.
2: As long as it's the same color, that will do it for me. We talked about the logo when it kind of leaked and how we weren't necessarily the biggest fans of it. I don't know about y'all. Is it, it's grown on me maybe just the slightest bit. I still don't thoroughly enjoy it. I think you could have done something a little bit better. The clothes look pretty nice, though. So it'll be something to see kind of what the price range is on these things. But the Tiger Woods logo, you could jack it up, and people are still going to pay the premium pro- price. So a couple of these shirts they showed look pretty cool, so maybe some to look into, depending on, uh, like I mentioned earlier, what your price range is and how much you love Tiger Woods. But something cool there. And also, too, made the announcement that uh, Tiger's got him a caddy lined up for this week. Lance Bennett is going to be on the bag. He caddy for Matt Kuchar, Sung J.M., and Davis Riley in the past. So they said this may not be a permanent solution, but it looks like this will be Tiger's caddy, at least for the, the short time. Woody Lance Bennett, someone who I'm not necessarily familiar with, but according to everything I've, I've read Seems like a veteran guy and has nothing but good praises from what I've seen.
0: probably one of those calm, cool, collectors, kind of like Joe Licav. Just does his job very much to the point. Will do a job. Uh, guys, he's caddy for in the past. Uh, you know, shows you he can. He's a good caddy. So Tiger's making the right choice there. I, I'm going to go out on limb and I'm going to I'm going to guess that that SDR and that new red shirt. I think he'll probably have more sales than the range goats. I'm thinking. I think he's going to (laughs) probably. Definitely. I think he's going to pass You know, I I mean, the guy moves the needle better than anybody in the world of golf. So whatever he's doing, uh, good for him because he keeps people's eyes on golf. There will be a lot more people watching Riviera this week as he's playing.
1: No doubt. And speaking of him being the needle, Tiger Woods, that famous TW logo that you were saying you hope he still wears, T Dub, in this commercial that Tiger tweeted out fifteen minutes ago on his Twitter account, you or on his ex account, you can see it at Tiger Woods. He has the new logo, the outline of the Tiger on his hat and on his gloves. So maybe no TW logo this week for Tiger Woods, even though he owns that. That logo, that TW logo.
2: It'd be an absolute shame to go one of the most iconic logos in all of sports. But if that's what Tiger wants to do to try to get him some money, so be if As long as he's at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday afternoon, I don't care what he wears. He got there in a damn bikini. If he's going to win the tournament, let him go for
0: it. <laughs> A red bikini.
2: Yeah, yeah I'm not. Yeah, gonna it has to be red.
0: No, I'm not going with that. that. Easy big fella. That's like you know, that's that's the same thing with Sam trying to bait and switch me into there was a neck of Beach at San Diego. Come on. No, we're not gonna watch Tiger finish in a bikini. I know there is, but it's not in February. That that neck of Beach is only there in June and July. So but are so who the top five, Sam, that's what I wanna know, see if t Dub thinks they're gonna be a winner out of it.
1: T-Dub, do you think there is going to be a winner out of Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Xander Schauffele, Victor Hovland, and Justin Thomas in the top five analytical favorites on Data Golf this week? JT been playing some really solid golf recently. Scheffler with a 12.1% chance to win the golf tournament. To put that in perspective, Rory is second at 5.9%. So the analytics highly favor Scheffler this week.
2: Well considering the highest the best odds that we've had to win a tournament so far is eighty to one. A better question may be, will the winner come from the top or bottom half of the analytic rankings? And you may <laughs> have to go under with those. So that, that may be the play. Tigers at hundred and fifty to one, I believe I saw. So hopefully the trend continues and he ends up being the one doing that. But no, Tiger, I don't think it'll way, be some of the top quick, five. By
1: the way, Tiger Woods, only two guys worse than Tiger Woods as far as analytic rankings this week. You have Grayson Murray and Chase Johnson are the two guys below Tiger. He's third to last as far as the analytics go this week.
2: Well, Grace and Mary won a couple weeks ago, so maybe that's a trend, and that would be great for Tiger to get his first-ever win at Riviera at this point. I couldn't imagine anything more beautiful than that. But, no, I don't think it'll be someone out of the top five. My one-and-done picks just outside of that range, so hopefully that will be the case. But you mentioned it earlier. Anyone who's who's a big name on the PGA Tour is playing this week. So you look at guys, for example, like Victor Hovland, he plays this course really well. Three times he's played here, fifth, fourth, and 20th. Colin Morikawa a second and sixth. The last two years, Max Homa, the last four years has gone fifth, win, tenth, second. Uh, Will Zalatoris, who's who's played really good at this course, so you look like maybe he's coming back playing some decent golf. Rory in 26 rounds has gained uh, a 1.72 shots there. So a lot of the big names would he have some good history at this course. So I, I expect it to be a pretty loaded leaderboard up there. I don't think that the winner will be 80 to one, but who 80 to one or worse, but who knows? It, it may shock me. We may continue the trend of uh, long shots getting a win, but I do expect a lot of the big names to be up there with a the chance to win.
0: I think we got to stop it at some point. Might as well do it with, the, with the, such a golf course like this. Ben Hogan loved this golf course because of his fade. Well, if you love your page, you got to go with Scotty Scheffler. I think Scotty Scheffler is going to win the golf tournament. So I'm going to buck the system. I'm going to say that, yeah, it does come out of the top five. I just think Scheffler is, he's just such a good ball striker. And like I said, the Kakuya out there and those greens got a lot of Poe in them doesn't really mean you got to be a good poe is what I'm telling you guys. So I just look at how good Fred Couples used to play. He loved to cut it there, and he was just a, kind of an average putter. So I think Scotty Scheffler's winning the golf tournament this week. Hey, Woody, nothing wrong with going chalk,
1: especially given how well Scotty Scheffler has struck the ball recently. We mentioned Hovland. Hovland took last week at the WM off because he honestly hit the ball terrible at – Pebble Beach and really didn't hit it good at the century either, even though he putted it nice, ended up finishing 22nd at the century and then 58th at Pebble Beach, took last week off to go back home and work on his golf swing a little bit, he said, and now he is back at Riviera, a course that he absolutely likes. I think that Victor Hovland probably has a little bit of a bounce back week this week, But I'm going outside the top five this week. I am going with Adam Scott, who has sneakily been playing some really, really consistent golf. At the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, he finishes fifth. At the Fortinet, he finishes sixth. Australian Open tied for fourth. In Dubai, he finished seventh. At Pebble Beach, he finished tied for 20th. It didn't put it that great that week, but he hit the irons really nice. And then last week at the Waste Management, gained almost two shots with the irons, and gained about a half a shot with the putter for the event, finishes tied for eighth there in that one. So I am going with a guy who's been consistently solid recently and a guy who loves this golf course. He's won here two times in the past and finished tied for fourth here back in 2022. I'm going Adam Scott in a signature event. Didn't think I was going to do that this year, t Dub.
2: Sam, last time this happened, we both picked Jordan Spieth, and he played like absolute ass, and we made absolutely no money, but it's going to happen <laughs> again this week. I pushed in Adam Scott first thing as soon as it happened. I was watching the tournament yesterday. saw Adam Scott. I think he shot 10 or 11 under or something like that on the weekend. I said, you know what, I'm going to pick Adam Scott because he has a good rec- record at Riviera, but playing some solid golf, I'm going to pick him. Every single event this year, he's gained shots off the tee and approach. His swing is getting dialed in. Two of the three events, he's gained shots putting but sam the fact that we both picked him means he's there's no way he finishes inside the top 25 so i am considering maybe changing i might have to because the curse of us both picking him <laughs> is so hard to overcome there's no
1: way you're actually you actually thought about adam scott before that
2: I, they showed him yesterday making some 25 <laughs> footer and coming out of nowhere to vault up the leaderboard and i said damn he's playing some solid golf here lately i'm gonna go ahead and pick adam scott then all of a sudden i hear you just literally all the things I was about to say about Adam Scott. How about well he's been playing that well he likes Riviera and now I know that he is cursed. So who are you going with? <laughs> yeah, are you are you switching or not? I, I, no, I, I'm a, I, no? No, no, I'll, I'll stick with Adam Scott. though. i no. uh, After I, I, all that why? D whiz, I, I tell you what, <laughs> it's a podcast. What <laughs> do you got to be entertaining? I got to have. You gotta know. One should you should everyone should know that. I'm about yeah, to make T-Dub start going tea. first. I'm about to make T-Dub tea. start going first because
0: he keeps stealing all my picks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm going to start having a trade cheese with my wine.
2: Oh I can show God. you my uh, pick confirmation at 2.30 this afternoon if you want oh, to I know for sure. You. I, I believe Yeah, I thought you'd just come on and just
0: say – yeah, I love your pick, Sam. I'm going with him too. But then you had to give us all that wine bag. I, I think if you've been around those little kids, you're teaching too much. They're whining too much. You're starting. To
2: get That's a hundred percent fact, right there, with <laughs> That's true statement never been said.
1: Now, Woody, I'm going with, Kepler. I I going with Scotty Kepler. I know you're going with Scotty. I know you're going with Scotty. I got to ask you about one guy, Rory McIlroy. He's the second favorite analytically on data golf this week. But I didn't pick him this week because his recent form at Pebble Beach didn't look great. Now, it was some wild weather. It could be an anomaly. Throw that out possibly. He did win in Dubai a few weeks ago, finished second in Dubai the week before that. But his record at Riviera isn't great. Like recently, 29th last year. Tenth the year before that, miscut the year before that. Now he did have a fifth and a fourth at Riviera back in twenty and nineteen. Um, but I just don't love Rory this week. Do you think that he'll have a good week this week, Woody?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Well,
0: I think he will. I, I I don't I don't think he'll win the golf tournament, but I think he I think he'll play better in a course than he Did at pebble, but but again, I told you I think this is a a golf course that you like play faded off the tee more than you draw and I still see Rory liking to draw as drivers but I I think what will he do I think he might do like he always does he'll be 15th 20th have a real good Sunday and move up the board where everybody goes wow look at Rory and he'll
1: stop in it and then T-Dub JT has been playing really good recently 12th 6th 3rd 3rd 4th 5th you know he has finished 2nd here at Riviera in 2019, playing some better golf. What are your thoughts on JT and then the California guys, like the Shafleys, Morikawas, Cantleys of the world? Homa included in that as well.
2: Yeah, hey, you look at the guys that have played this course well in the past, Morikawa, Homa, exceptional Shoffleys played this course well, Cantley as well. They're all within the top – I don't everyone in the field, they're all top ten in course history. So I expect all the California boys – to play well there, JT as well. He finished second back here in 2019, Finished a sixth here at 2022. Finished 20th here last year, and he's been playing some solid golf. Coming I mean, he finished 12th uh, this last week at the Waste Man or at yeah at the Waste Management, and finished sixth at Pebble, third before that at the American Express. So it looks like he's trending in the right direction. Maybe him getting picked for the Ryder Cup was the bolt that he needed to start playing some better golf. So I expect JT to have a monumentally better 2024 in 2023 maybe it starts here with the win at his uh his older brother tiger woods's tournament that would be a fitting way for jt to kind of get his uh his career back on track after a horrible 2023 i believe it would be his first win since uh at southern hills the pj championship so that would be pretty cool to see if that happens
1: what do you anything different in jt's game that you've seen oh no not
0: really sam i think uh uh, I was interested to read. He went back to a putter that he used like uh, six, seven years ago. I, I think I think what people just don't understand is how emotional and how much it is between your ears and golf, how how difficult it is to come out of a slump and how quick you can get in one. I mean, you get to the point where you think everything is so easy and then when it leaves you, it, everything is so hard. And it's not the physical parts of his golf swing, it was the mental parts. And and I just think, you know, sometimes the guy hits a refresh button or regroup and uh, uh you know, he had some success and right back on the horse he is. So uh no, I don't I don't really see that much difference in his golf swing. He had he's not like a Nick Fowler that completely redid his whole golf swing back in the day and he you just don't see that. It's pretty much the same J T with just a whole lot more confidence.
1: No doubt about it. I cannot wait for this weekend. Any time that Tiger Woods is playing golf, I will be glued to the TV. But even if Tiger doesn't play well this week, it's a heck of a field at Riviera. I cannot wait. Any final thoughts, T-Dub, before we get out of here?
2: As you said earlier, it's just beautiful to see Tiger Woods coming back and play some good golf. i will be interested to see exactly how the body holds up uh, from there and just to make sure that there's – Because we want to be able to just focus on his golf game and not the exterior factors as in if he's going to be able to walk the entire course. So hopefully his swing looks at least fairly similar on Sunday as it does on Thursday because that has been a humongous trend is that earlier in the week his swing will look good and his body and everything breaks down. And it's extremely noticeable, at least it has been over these last couple of years. So hopefully – if he is able to make it to Sunday with his play, that his body is able to hold up. And you would be able to tell with his ball speed numbers or his, uh, his ball speed if it's within a couple of miles per hour. Or we've seen times where it dropped almost 10 miles an hour sometimes from Thursday to Sunday. So definitely be on the lookout for that on Tiger Stealth if he is able to make it that far because uh, we all, the game of golf needs Tiger Woods to play as much as he can.
0: Go ahead. What are your final thoughts? Well yeah, I just wanted to say congratulations on your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a poor loser. I just wanted to let you know congratulations on your win. I appreciate that, Woody. It was
1: great to see Patrick Mahomes do it again in crunch time. As he always does. Fellas, that does it for us today. I've been talking all day on the radio and the podcast. I'm ready to go to sleep, fellas. So we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Woody. Thank you, T-Dub. This has been Sam Humphreys on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts absolutely free. Just hit that follow button, and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode like our Riviera recap coming up next week also follow us on social media at the 73rd hole on x and at 73rd hole on instagram we will be back next week on Oklahoma's leader in golf the 73rd hole podcast